Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, the village that I lived in was only about maybe 40 to 50 people at most living there. Everyone knew everyone, all 12 of us kids knew each other too and played with each other, and naturally some of us grouped together and explored the surrounding area since there wasn't much in the way of entertainment back then, mid to late 90s, in rural Ohio that is. The village was old. The furthest back that I could find about the village documentation-wise was that it was established back in late 1790s or something as a small trading hub for the local area. Ohio didn't actually become a state until 1803. My village had a single church in the center of it, an old schoolhouse converted into an actual house just next to it, and pasture behind it with thick woods surrounding like three of the four sides of the small town. My dad grew up around the area, so he was full of legends and stories about the area. One of those stories was about a small fort that was originally French, turned British, and finally colonial American in the area. Nobody really knew exactly where it was located, but there was a few mentions of a small fort in the area from the research that I'd done. Now, one of the stories about this fort was that It was a primary trade route for the local native tribes and the influx of settlers that were arriving in the area. 
Naturally, conflicts arose as more and more people settled the surrounding area, and eventually, all that conflict ensued between the settlers and the native tribes. The fort was said to be destroyed by fire, people on both sides slaughtered each other, and eventually the natives were driven from the area with the help of a local militia. My dad always told me the land wasn't good, tainted in ways with bad energy, and I guess when entire families are slaughtered and people being driven away from their homeland, it can cause some long-term ill effects. Anyway, when all of us kids were playing, we were always told two things. One, if the woods get quiet, you get quiet and leave immediately. And two, if your name is being called out and you're way out in the woods, do not respond. Go home immediately and never look back. Pretend that you never even heard it to begin with. Everyone in the village knew how quirky the area was. Most days were the usual bland days. Well, some days it was like a, a fairy tale, I guess. Periodically other days it could be a nightmare. The people of the woods were probably the most common entity everyone in the village knew of and were generally treated with respect and a wide berth. But some of the other things were, well, generally best left well alone entirely. So, now, on to my experience. In the late 90s, I was around 10 years old when I was overcome with an insatiable desire to go camping. It was mid-August, so hot and muggy during the day, but pretty cool and mild at night. I gathered two of my friends and told them about it, and they both liked the idea. Now, generally, nobody really camped in our woods. My parents, along with many others, really didn't like the idea of a group of 10 or 11-year-olds going camping alone. My dad said that we could as long as he came with us just to ensure that we were safe, and I reluctantly agreed. Prior to that night, I went out to scout out a good area to make camp at, and I knew of a fairly decent place that was close to the creek, relatively flat and not difficult to get to. I wanted to scout the area just to ensure that it was cleared of debris and ready for tents. By this time, I was well acquainted with the people of the woods, and I made my offering before entering the woods. I didn't see them while on my journey or anything, so I felt pretty good about that. Once I arrived at the location, I began moving things around, clearing out the sticks, large stones, and making a fire pit. Even going as far as stocking it with wood and throwing some larger sticks nearby for fuel for later. I was so enthralled in what I was doing and so focused on getting the area cleared that by the time that I was satisfied with what I had done, I just noticed just how quiet everything around me became. When I say quiet too, I mean like completely dead silent. No birds, bugs, not even the wind made a noise amongst the leaf litter. I immediately shut down everything that I was doing. I stood there looking around, slowing my breathing and just trying to listen for the faintest sound that I could. I don't know how long I stood there, motionless. Maybe a few minutes. Maybe. But then, in the far distance, I could hear a crow call. And almost immediately I began hearing the chirping of robins and even a faint whistling from the wind in the trees. I really don't know why, but the hair on my arms and neck were on end, and I figured, well, maybe it was just me making a ruckus that everything nearby quieted down because of that. Content with that logical reasoning, I began making my way back home up for the night. 
and around 6pm that night, my two friends made their way over with their backpacks, tents, and both me and my dad were finishing up dinner. All four of us made ready with everything that we needed and began trekking out to the site that I'd prepared. Nothing all that noteworthy happened going to the site, even after setting up our tents, lighting the fire and making s'mores. It was shaping up to be a pretty fun night really and rather enjoyable. Once we started to get ready to crawl into our tents for the night, around 10 or 11pm, the wind started to pick up and my dad said that we might be in for some rain, but he didn't seem to have a look of contentment. My dad loved the rain on his face when he said it. It was like, I don't know, he felt something was off or something. And it wasn't long that all of us started to feel that way too, we all sort of ended up crawling into our tents anyway since it was night time and with possible rain incoming, trekking back home would have really sucked. But honestly, we should have walked back. We situated our tents in a sort of half circle around the fire pit, which all were facing the creek and the back of the tents facing the wood line. My dad was to the left of me in his military surplus tent, and me in my cheapo Walmart single-person tent, just barely large enough for me, and my two friends to my right in their own tents. The wind was howling for some time, half an hour to an hour before it calmed down, and then it got quiet. No crickets, no wind, no wildlife at all. The creek itself, which usually bubbles happily along, sounded muted all of a sudden, all we had at that time was the faint glow of embers from the fire pit in front of our tents casting a warm glow. I began to hear my heart throbbing in my ears and I knew that my dad and my two friends were just as anxious as I was as I could hear them sort of shifting uncomfortably. I heard one of my friends tent zipper and naturally I undid my zipper too to see what was going on. And as soon as I popped my head out to look... I saw my dad come out of his tent with a machete that he had and he faced the wood line. My friend had his head poking out too and asked if I heard what that noise was. I didn't hear anything, but my heart was pounding so hard that it was hard hearing him even whisper. We both partially got out of the tent to see what my dad was looking at, but all we could see was like inky darkness and it was then that I heard it. A distant and faint hello. It was coming from some ways away in the darkness of the woods. I could see my dad shift uncomfortably on his feet, white knuckling his machete, looking into the wood line. Then again, a voice called out, hello. But it just didn't seem right. It was off-putting, almost as if whoever was speaking was trying to speak in a, a very feminine voice, faint and fragile, my dad motioned me to grab some of the extra wood next to his tent and throw it on the fire, which I reluctantly did. Leaving the perceived safety of my tent didn't sit well with me. As the fire began to slowly grow in brightness, my dad stepped backwards near the fire and stood there facing the wood line. By this time, my other friend popped his head out of his tent too and all three of us, including my dad, were just watching the wood line, unsure what to expect. Nothing came out and we didn't hear the voice again. An hour passed and by this time my dad was sitting on a large stone next to his tent, one leg crossed and a machete in his right hand watching silently. 
only the sound of crackling fire echoing against the shale cliff face across the creek. Several hours passed and both my friends went back into their tents. Only me and my dad were out, me tending the fire and my dad watching and waiting. I could hear rustling to our right, just beyond the light from the fire in the tree line. But my friend closest to it popped his head out, looked at me and asked, What? As if he was wanting me to repeat what I said. Mind you, I didn't say a word. I hadn't said a word since I came out of my tent the first time, in fact. I put my finger up to my lips and motioned to be quiet. By the time that I did this, my dad was standing next to me and told us both to shush and... Immediately, we heard someone say, come here, in the same off-putting feminine voice as earlier. All three of us stood there, peering into the direction of where the voice come from, and shortly after, we heard what sounded like something move back deeper into the woods. It didn't sound heavy, it sounded like something sort of lightly trotting back into the woods. And that was the last time that we heard it. Shortly after, I'm assuming early morning, just before daybreak that is, the woodlife returned, crickets, the distant chirp of the birds and the whisper from the wind through the leaves, everything. Once daybreak came, we all broke our tents down and we packed up and began hiking back home quick smart. We were paranoid the entire way back, stopping, listening and looking. We didn't see or hear anything or anyone. Nobody said a word on the way back, in fact. But once we made it back to my backyard, my dad broke the silence and told us that what we had just experienced never happened, and it would do us good to not say a word to anyone about it. He had fear written all over his face as if not even he had experienced something like that before. To this day, I really don't know what it was or perhaps who it was. I did at one point end up asking my aunt next door later in life if she'd experienced something similar since she grew up in the area too, but even she was really tight-lipped about it, saying that well, we shouldn't have gone camping out there and my dad was a fool for letting us go. I have since left my village and I've moved out of state and I have run into similar stories down here in the southeast with the same reluctance to explain what it was or could be. I really don't know why people are so afraid to talk about it, but if any of you guys can enlighten me, then I'm really all ears at this point because I would like to know what the heck happened that night. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. 
With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I'm 29 and work as a security guard doing nights in the UK. The site that I usually do my duty at is in the northwest of England, but I won't give the name of the site or specific areas to keep my job secure. This is a bit of a long story, but I'm confident that anybody interested in this sort of stuff will be satisfied. So, I was in the army at the time when one of my closest friends landed his first job. He was always a very hardcore skeptic, but started to tell me that he was experiencing things that were weird and freaking him out sometimes. After the army, I went into a couple of random jobs whilst I got my momentum back in regular life and also got myself an SIA license. Eventually, my power got shipped off to another site for the same customer and I jumped at the opportunity to work in his place. My pal Jason kindly drove me to the site for my induction to meet the guard on duty that night. The guard on duty was a very down-to-earth guy in his 50s, I guess, and after showing me the ropes, the whole five minutes, he asked me what I'd think about poltergeists. I told him briefly about some of the experiences that I've had throughout my life, and his eyes lit up, which sparked a casual friendship ever since. Basically, he told me about two guards leaving in the past due to strange things happening at this site, and that every guard has experienced at least one thing there. He's also a lot deeper into this stuff than I was, but it adds to his harmless charm, and we've shared many deep conversations about the subject. Anyway, Saturday night during the Christmas holidays in 2018, I locked myself in for the first time and ready to spend the next 12 hours alone enjoying my own company and getting paid for it gaming laptop straight out, albeit on whisper volume of course, and frequent heads up in case of intruders or van drivers coming to collect their personal vehicles. This place is quite creepy looking as it's out in the sticks somewhat and surrounded by farmland, but I'm pretty used to cutting about in dark places similar from my time in the army, so it was just whatever to me. And for the first few shifts, I just heard the odd strange noise, which quite frankly could have been anything, from temperature expansion, contraction, to wildlife, you name it. However, on the night prior to the staff returning to work for 2019, I had one of the most profound paranormal experiences of my life, which genuinely scared me. It was the 3am to 4am hourly patrol, I stepped off at about 3.30 and as I put one foot out of the guardroom door, a tiny stone whizzed around the guardroom bouncing off the metal lockers, desk, etc. and at head to torso height. I'm about 6 feet tall. This just didn't make any sense but I shrugged it off and continued on my way. The first part of my patrol involved walking around the back of a two-story medium-sized office building where there are lots of stone pebbles to walk on before coming out of the back of the offices and onto a relatively large car park about two-thirds the size of a football pitch. As soon as I stepped foot on the tarmac, a pebble landed next to me and to be honest, I didn't really think much of it. 
I could have easily kicked one up a bit with my steel toe boots and not felt it, so whatever, right? I got halfway across this car park and another landed just in front of me as if it came from behind me. This is where I started to feel things weren't quite right as the pebbles were way back by this point and I would have felt it this time due to the added force of it. I continued and at the end of the car park were a row of shipping containers on the left and a huge biffer skip on the right. The patrol route takes me walking in between these for about 30 meters and this is by far the creepiest part of the site as it's so dark and dingy there. And this is where things began to get pretty intense. So I was still walking towards this area and roughly 20 meters away when another pebble hit the, the biffer skip loudly about 5 or 6 feet high. In other words, I would have had to have get a bit of a run up and put effort into booting a pebble hard enough to hit it like that, high enough, and to match the force it hit with. This really startled me and I stood still and confused for about 30 seconds looking all around myself but there was nobody and I was equipped with a 400 lumen heavy duty torch so I could see for quite a distance but there was nobody whatsoever. I sort of reluctantly carried on out of duty down the alley past the skip that had just been hit and the shipping containers to my left. I'd gotten about maybe 10 meters past the first shipment when it sounded as if somebody ran up to it with a sledgehammer and just gave it a huge whack. My backside almost swallowed my pants hole at that point and it took every ounce of courage to immediately run back into the car park and shine my torch in all directions. If this was a human due to the layout of the site, they could not have gotten away in time unless they could contest like Usain Bolt and even that would be a stretch considering that it probably took me like two seconds to sprint there, if that. Now, the guard who gave me the induction is that interested in this stuff that he told me to call him if anything like this happens, no matter the hour. So I continued to the center of the car park to get a full field view of the site, but of course there was nobody. Suddenly, I just heard these bangs coming from all directions but confined to within the site shortly followed by tiny stones constantly whizzing past my shins with a low trajectory, similar to how one would throw skimming stones across a body of water, I suppose. The thing is about these stones whizzing past me, though, is that the direction that they were coming from was a huge three-story high warehouse with no windows or doors from my point of view, so these tiny stones were being thrown at me from, like, an unseen force for 100% certainty as all that was there was three stories of brick wall. Never once did any of them hit me, but they just sort of whizzed by my legs left and right. Behind this warehouse is a river that gets quite choppy in the winter, but even so, the trajectory dictated that the stones were definitely being thrown from in front of me and not over the warehouse, which would be next to an impossible feat anyway. In any case, I rang the other guard and he could immediately hear the racket going on. He told me to go by the river and call out to it. Now, despite having a few experiences sparsely throughout my life, I have never been interested in engaging with whatever the phenomena is, but I decided to humor him anyway, all the while half scared to death. I called out to it though, 
I really can't remember what I said. And everything immediately just sort of stopped and went silent. But weirdly enough as well, nothing further happened that night. And the other guard said that he's never known anybody to get terrorized quite that badly by it. Once the staff arrived, I spoke to one of the blokes managing the site and he said that he would check the CCTV footage for any messes. Interestingly, the next shift, a couple of days later, the cleaner who used to be around for a couple of hours after the staff leave called me into the office block to see a document printed out of an email. This was to my security firm about the events, but stated that they could not see anybody or any stones on the camera, but could see me doing an intense investigation and being violently startled a few times. Since then, I've had very sparse experiences, such as door slamming, a filled mop bucket moving like three feet from the wall in front of my eyes, plate smashing in the canteen. Very annoying, as security often gets the blame for this, understandably too. Cutlery having a quick jangle in the canteen drawer, a, a loud sound of what can only be described as heavy cardboard boxes being dragged along the dusty warehouse floor, and footsteps coming from the room above. A few months into the job, I also got another very close friend of mine, a, a job there as well, who was also in the army prior and also a massive skeptic, until now. He literally laughed at myself and Jason whilst we gave him his induction when we mentioned the strange stuff. Jason to this day references his cocky laugh as his attitude soon got set straight, but... So, a few nights into my other friend, his name is Scott, working there... I got woken up to a phone call at around 1.30 in the morning, and, as you can probably guess, it's Scott with a trembly voice saying that somebody had just sprinted up the stairs, ran through the short corridor, and is currently stood outside the guardroom door. I said, well, you're a security guard, do your job and see who it is. Of course, nobody was there, and nobody could be there, due to the coded doors. Now, I haven't experienced anything paranormal there for a long time at this point. It seems to have, I don't know, like weeks or months of calm, followed by short bursts of activity. I've also since branched out and done all of the sites my company contracts with and never had any experience elsewhere besides one place to which I have a video evidence of that actually, but I'm reluctant to share it and even then, I need permission from the guard who works at that particular site. I've even worked at a number of derelict, creepy old mills with nothing strange on it. So this was definitely an experience. I do have one more story about an experience in my teens for another time, and uh, that's pretty much everything that's happened to me. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the story, and... Uh, he's hoping that nothing else happens after this. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I'm a, a single male, 33, who lives alone in Denver. My apartment complex is uh, not what you would call a nice building by any means. I'm on a, a road close to Colfax Avenue, which, if you're familiar with the geography of this area, is not the safest boulevard in town. I'm a few streets away from it, but close enough that I wouldn't consider this an up-and-standing or up-and-coming neighborhood. Anyway, this evening I was watching Netflix on my couch. My two cats were cuddled up against me as I lay under a comforter. The night before, I had watched a horror movie that was scary enough to leave me in an unsettled mood, making it hard to sleep. So this night, I decided to watch a stand-up special instead, keep it light so I wouldn't have any trouble getting some shut-eye. I have classes early the next morning, so I was surprised when I made the conscious decision to turn on a second stand-up special and let myself fall asleep on the couch. I was just so comfy where I was laying and I didn't want to move not even to turn off the several lights on throughout my apartment. Now, I remember dozing off around probably 11 o'clock. It was effortless, which meant that I was really snug under the covers with my cats flanking me on either side, creating a, a tucking-in feeling. I fell into a dream wherein I was uh, on an impromptu date with this guy who I didn't recognize at a blockbuster video store of all things. He bought me blue and yellow underwear, you know, like a blockbuster would sell in Dreamland, insinuating that I would take the hint of his intentions. He was also desperate for a job, so when we got to the counter, he was given an off-the-cuff interview, and that didn't go well. And all of a sudden, I'm just not sleeping anymore. I'm woken up by a knock at my door. Then a man's voice says, maintenance, and I just sort of sat there, sitting bolt upright on my couch, I knew something was off immediately and I looked at my phone, which was by my left hand and the time was 2.15 in the morning. I didn't move. The floors in my apartment are really old and there are many creaky floorboards. I didn't want whoever this was knocking to know that somebody was actually home and awake, let alone alert to his presence. My cats got up though and ran over to the door as they normally would, but I stayed still and listened. After a few minutes with no answer, the man walked away from the door and down the hallway to the stairs. A moment after that, I heard the back door to the building swing open and closed. I have one window where I have partial view of that door, so I break my paralysis and race over to it. What I saw was 
an odd looking green SUV sitting in the no parking zone just in front of the back door. It must have been running the entire time because I didn't hear it start up and the brake lights were glowing red. Someone, presumably the maintenance man, got in the car and just drove off. Now, obviously, I don't know what his intentions really were, but no one knocks on someone's door at like 2.15 in the morning claiming to work for the landlord with good deeds in mind, right? Had it been a true emergency, wouldn't he have knocked again? Used his service key to get into the unit? What did I just avoid here? I can only assume that it was an attempted robbery at best or maybe an abduction at worst. When I was watching the SUV drive off, I surveyed the other apartment windows. They were all dark and I can see every unit except the two other corner apartments below me from the vantage point. I think because my apartment sort of sticks out from the building and has many windows, maybe I was targeted because my lights were visibly on and noticeable from the street or something. However, I don't know how this individual got into the building in the first place as you would need a key to do so. I've never been so legitimately afraid as a single person living alone. I'm grateful that I installed a security chain on my door when I moved in too. I'm also really glad that even in my disoriented state, I had the presence of mind not to move from the couch or make any noise. My nerves are definitely shot. I don't think that I'll be going back to dreamland anytime soon. I've turned off all the lights save for the lamp by my bed. I usually can't sleep with it on, but tonight, I really don't think that I'm going to be getting much sleep anyway. So, this is a story that my brother and I had driving to a friend's house in our neighbor village. The friend invited us to chill out in his apartment with a bunch of other buddies and we had nothing to do anyway so we decided to drive to him and it was almost in the middle of the 10 kilometer distance between our two villages. I'm driving with high beam because the road is pretty dark here and not illuminated when all of a sudden I, I saw a man standing on the street with a seemingly pretty bad head injury holding his hand in front of his eyes because my lights were blinding him. While approaching this man, we then saw two other men sitting on the autumn foliage right by the road, seesawing their upper bodies also with head and torso injuries. I emergency braked the car and this man standing approached us while my brother started panicking and told me that I should reverse ASAP. It really didn't feel like a normal situation, especially after a possible car accident or anything similar. It was like these guys were just sort of chilling there on purpose. But when I started reversing, he began running at us and yelled, You should drive slowly, we are here, and stuff like that. I turned the car and drove back home, shocked and confused. My brother called the police to check out what was going on with these three men, but we never did hear anything about it after this. But whatever happened that night, it was a pretty disturbing incident. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So for some background, I've been a behavioral health nurse for about 12 years now, and my first job was at a freestanding mental health facility in the South. This facility is uh, pretty uniquely constructed as it was originally a plantation owned by a wealthy Irishman who emigrated here sometime in the 1700s. The original plantation house, it's still there and is now used as the business office and the hospital itself was constructed to be attached to the house too. If you explore the campus, there's even a small graveyard with the original owner's tombstone as well as some other family members of his. Additionally, there's a sign that says something along the lines of, this is dedicated to the slaves that worked and died on this plantation. Anyway, one of the stories that has been passed down among the employees there for decades is that a young girl in the Irishman's family, one of his daughters or grandchildren, passed away on the plantation at a really young age, and that her ghost still lingers around the house and the facility, and that there are certain patient rooms that have an unusual amount of uh, paranormal activity, I guess you could call it. Now one day I was walking past one of these rooms and in my peripheral I could have swore that I saw a young girl who looked to be about 9 or 10 years old sitting on the bed. She was wearing a sort of colonial looking dress appropriate for the time period in which she was alive that is and looked at me directly in the eyes when I turned to look at her. I was incredibly startled and my mind raced for a few seconds trying to convince myself that she wasn't actually there. I walked a few feet past the room, gathered my courage to go back and by the time that I did, she had disappeared from sight. She didn't have any ethereal qualities or anything like that, nothing otherworldly or strange. She literally just looked like a real person sitting there in plain view. During my time there, I never really heard of anyone else who saw her, or as clearly as I did anyway. But every once in a while, one of my co-workers or a patient would experience something strange, like doors opening and slamming shut. I remember one patient in particular that ran out of his room white as a sheet and said that while he was lying in his bed, his bathroom door slammed on its own. It was so loud that I even heard it from the nurse's station myself. This patient was there for addiction and had no history of hallucinations or anything. Anyway, I just thought that I would share this because it feels good to get it off my chest. Thanks for listening. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.